Welcome back, everybody, to Talk of the Now podcast. And today I've got a special guest on, Mr. Doug Turnbull of WSB Radio. How are you doing, Doug? I'm great, Gene. Hope you're doing okay and hope everybody listening is doing all right, too. Oh, great, man. Well, um, glad to have you on. Um, today I want to have Doug on to talk about, well, a little bit of everything, a lot of his interest and his uh, background and uh, just some of uh, the things going on. Maybe even get a chance to touch on a little NASCAR if we can. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doug, um, how, um, well, first off, uh, how is life right now for you? What have you been up to? Yeah, life's been okay. It's been a little bit uh, weird this summer. My, my wife and I both, uh, we, we had COVID last month and, and uh, or June. And so, man, that's, that's just weird. That was our first time really dealing with that. And, uh, and, and then things with, you know, I manage our traffic team at 95.5 WSB. And so with people being in and out for the summer and then with just, other market forces at the station with staffing and stuff like that. It, a lot, like a lot of industry staffing has been tough. So those things are the difficult parts of life, I guess, but overall yeah. life is good. God is good. I'm, I'm just, you know, glad, glad and honored to get to do both this and I uh, had back-to-back weekends doing NASCAR too for performance racing network. And so that's, that's my golf game. Okay. So getting <laughs> to be able to quote, do my golf game and travel a little bit and, and just enjoy my favorite season of the year. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I didn't know you did that other gig. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that started 10 years ago. Basically, the way I even got to WSB is when I was a junior or maybe a senior in high school, my mom, I'd really just gotten into NASCAR. My mom goes, she just said she knew somebody who knew someone in the racing industry. That's all she said. And to keep it really short, basically, she said, if I got a certain amount of certain grades, I mean, I always got decent, but if I got all A's, she would... Uh, approached that contact and basically she knew somebody that knew captain herb and he hosted a weekend racing show so that captain herb memory did our traffic for 23 years on wsb as a legend georgia radio hall of fame member but he had a weekend racing show that i didn't even know about at the time and so when i started interning with him that's how that's how it happened or three days after i graduated high school as i met him he made me an unofficial off the books intern and then i started volunteering on his weekend show and that's how i got to go to the racetrack so i did traffic during the week and a little bit of nascar on the weekends and that that's what led to the opportunity with performance racing network filling in with them doing what was just the atlanta race for a long time and now i get to do four or five races a year oh okay now where does where can people find that yeah, right. So any station, yeah, you know, there's a just like any sports team or sports league, there's a network or a list of network affiliates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the easiest way to listen is to go to goprn.com or the Performance Racing Network app. And what makes it a little more complicated is that PRN only does the races that are owned that are at tracks owned by their same company, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is Speedway Motorsports. So there's two networks that broadcast all the NASCAR races, and then the IndyCar network does just the Indy race. So basically, if you're just a casual NASCAR fan, you get the NASCAR app, you can listen on the NASCAR app any weekend. And sometimes it's PRN, and sometimes it's MRN. And then I'm just doing a, a portion of the PRN races. So mm-hmm. it, that's really complicated, I know. Uh, but, they, but yeah. and if you have Sirius XM, you can listen on channel 90 anytime there's a race and whoever has the race will have it on Sirius XM, the NASCAR channel, channel 90. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask you, you kind of touched on, it. I was going to ask you first about your background, um, where you're from, how you grew up and yeah. um, you got a little bit into how you got into your business, but um, uh, if you could touch on that a little bit. Right. Well, and, and I mean, I got in, a lot of people ask that <clears throat> it wasn't something where, 
you know, my mom was buddies with Captain Herb. I, you know, I had a chance to, to meet him basically and tour the station. And I, was, I wasn't going there trying to get a job. I was 18 and a half years old. I was young enough to still count halves of my years, okay? Just graduated yeah. high school. And we just – we got to talking about racing, and I think that really led to him to say, oh, that's different, a young person. Okay, wow. And, and I, I, again, nothing. there was nothing great about me that I think that led to that. And, and basically, even though I really had to work hard to get on the air, he took me in the helicopter that day, everything. I got to do it all right then. Uh, but, it, but then he started letting me hang out in the traffic center, and I learned the producing part of the job. The, the how we gather the information, making the phone calls, listening to police scanners, looking at maps and cameras. And that was before social media. That's how long ago that was, 2004. But uh, but that's that getting to do that part and learning how to do it at very least diligently, if not good, at very least diligently, I, I let, it kept me in there for about the three years. It really took me to find my voice. And when people ask how you get in the industry, I'm going to tell you, I'm like, not when you're 18. <laughs> that was a unique thing. Okay. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. you might, but uh, it generally, you know, you do, do the normal route. You go to college, get an internship, start somewhere small and work up. And now with podcasts and blogs and things like this, you could cut your chops a lot more to a smaller audience mm -hmm. than having to move to Wyoming or something. So yep. um, uh, my background basically before that is I've, I've been native Atlanta, ATL in, grew up, uh, basically in North DeKalb County, kind of outside of Decatur, went to Lakeside High School. Okay. And I went to Georgia State University my first four years of uh, being at WSB. I would intern in the mornings and then, and, and eventually that became a job at the end of 2004. And then I'd drive down the road to go to college and barely make it through class after working <laughs> morning drive. But I, you know, graduated with just a 3.4 GPA or something. So it worked out and I've been here ever since. So I love Atlanta, love the city and love getting to serve it. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm in a um, native Atlanta as well. So we're kind of a rare breed, I guess. Um, yeah, I went to Georgia Southern and um, graduated. And I've been kind of in the insurance business most of my uh, post career life. <laughs> uh, but I grew up with a lot of the names you mentioned there. Um, uh, I guess um, we could talk about Captain Irv. You mentioned him. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially if they're new to Atlanta, which we know is like thousands of people every day. Yeah. Um, tell us about Captain Irv. Oh, gosh. Well, he, he was amazing. First off, he's somebody that grew into another uh, father figure like me. In fact, I've got you probably can't see it here, but I've got the cartoon that Mike Luckovich drew on my shirt right oh. here you know, the Captain Herb <laughs> after he died. So I know that was weird to do kind of awkward to do that. But I, I wore mm -hmm. that on purpose because I, I just I like to wear a Captain Herb shirt. Uh, like when I do a race and stuff like that or do some big stuff just to kind of make homage to him. But um, mm -hmm. basically, Captain Herb was somebody who much like a lot of radio people and I didn't grow up a person obsessed with radio. I did like broadcasting, but he, he grew up and started sweeping the floors at a radio station while his dad wow. old next door. And when he was 15 years old and, and Brevard, Brevard, Asheville, North Carolina, and basically eventually moved down here in the 1970s. I didn't know until I've been working with him for several years that he was, uh, that he was really, renowned on the news side i thought he was just a traffic reporter and then a disc jockey before that i didn't know about his news career yeah me neither and he got he's won all sorts of the the green lampshade awards and and ap awards and local awards and he had a whole tub of them just in his basement they weren't hanging up huh. they were just in his basement you know in a tub and i'm like what 
And, wow. and so because he was a bulldog of a reporter, you know, and I mean, I think he got, you know, arrested at a courthouse one time because they were trying to stop or, or something or apprehended or whatever for because st- he wasn't supposed to record something like that's who he was. And he took that same tenacity into traffic. So he, he did traffic in the days when music FM stations had traffic helicopters. He worked mm. for Quixie, which actually was an AM station, AM 790 before it became the zone and that became the Korean pop station or whatever it is now. And, and so he, he weren't there uh, that, and, and for that station up until right before it became star 94, I think. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and I mean, every one of them did, you know, it's like you're, there's a B98.5 helicopter and a, this helicopter and all that, which is crazy to think these days. Right. Cause those stations, a lot of them barely have traffic reports, you know, and not like they used to. And, and, and 1991, he got recruited to come over to WSB right as they were building up Atlanta's Morning News, ah. which uh, which debuted kind of during the Gulf War. Scott Slade, who used to be our helicopter traffic reporter and now is multi-Marconi award-winning Scott Slade. Oh, wow. uh, but he he built out Atlanta's Morning News, and they made that show. And, he, of course, Slade still hosts it. And around 1991 and 93 is when you had the Clark Howards, the Neil Bortzes, and several of the big news names that you've heard over the years, Bob Cox, Marcy Williams, come, come over mm-hmm. to WSB. And, uh, and, and Herb was a big part of that. He was supposed to be Colonel Herb, but whichever host it was couldn't pronounce it. And so he, got, he became Captain Herb. He's not a police officer, not an Army captain. He's yeah. just just a name because they used to have officers in the helicopters uh, in days of yore. And, uh, and, and he did this and he did this job like a bulldog, man. He, he gnawed on the bone until he broke through. I mean, that's how he did it. That's how he taught us to do it. I wish more of the people on our team now had worked for him and understood that. Cause hmm. I think they think I'm crazy when I insist on some things or, or passionate about some things, but, um, but the, the herb was, Still ripping and roaring at 61 years old. They they opened up what came after his death, the Captain Herb Interchange, the two flyover bridges, and the 85-400 interchange mm-hmm. on his birthday in 2014. And then 10 days later, he's out in front of his house. He's an honorary police officer. He's a big-time community servant. Uh, doing He did 83 events the last year he was alive of community oh, wow. service. And there was a crash in front of his house. And he and his police officer buddy who was helping him in the yard ran out they pulled the youngsters out of the car. I think it was teenagers. And then they started directing traffic. Okay, so honorary police officer, community servant, traffic uh, reporter. He's directing traffic after a car crash, and he drops dead of a heart attack. Wow. How old is he that? that 61. Uh, he's just, just 61. turned 61 years old. His uh, wife, Karen, who I'm still very close with, had just retired. And, of course, that was just, I mean, I get sadder now almost thinking about it. Then I was in shock, you know, but it, it was, yeah. it was absolutely a tragedy, but out of that, and I know I'm giving you a long answer, but I can't, I'd rather talk more about him than me. That's all good. Uh, after that, the groundswell of support we got from people, the stories that I learned about her that I didn't know him doing 83 events in a year, which I knew he did a lot. didn't know he did 83. It inspired a lot of good. And, uh, and, and it certainly helped me. And of course it, it led to me becoming the manager of our traffic team. It led to both myself and smile and Mark McKay splitting up our WSB skycopter duties. He took morning drive. Uh, cause I, you know, I, I wanted to be in there in the afternoons to, cause we had a younger crew then and be able to coach them more. And that's, that's basically the, the story of Herb there. He, he did his na- racing show on the weekends, which for most of that time was called the Allen Vigil Ford 120. Mm-hmm. And 120 minutes was the show. 120, you know, made it sound like a race name. And and we had so much fun doing that. And yeah. that, that went off the air in 2011. But um, 
but that that definitely helped get me in the NASCAR industry too. Was that 2014 when he died? Yep. Uh, sorry if I didn't say it, it was. Yeah, I thought you did, but I was trying to remember. Yeah. Um, that we so had, it's yeah, already re- been wow. already been eight years, and I just go. I don't mean to rub, but I just want to say it's been eight years. So if you're from Atlanta, you're hearing this, yeah. or, or maybe you're not you're not from Atlanta, and you've moved here since then. I know that name is like you're like who are you talking about some guy named her, but I'm mm-hmm. telling you, this dude was the man, and he's someone that a lot of us aim to be. Yeah, no, I appreciate it because unfortunately, you know, I can't interview Captain Irv. And to me, yeah. having you on here talking about him is about as close as we get to being able to get a, you know, interview with Captain Irv because we, people didn't do podcasts as much back then. I doubt he has much floating out there for a person. And now there's some stuff on YouTube. Yeah. There is, if you go search there, there's some cool clips of him. Okay. Um, just, uh, you know, uh, th- things on the radio. I've got a, a buddy um, named Keith who... Uh, but because of some different limitations he has, couldn't get in the radio industry. And, and he'll call me once a week and tell me about all the old radio stations he can listen to on YouTube. And he tells me about all the old Herb clips that are on there. But uh, the, the cool thing about, you know, Herb is he, he didn't get forced to have a Midwestern accent. Yeah, he he played right into where he was from. He's from yeah. the South. All right. So, I mean, yeah, his middle name's Lee. All right. So, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, but basically, I mean, you know, he had that draw, and I mean, I was just like, "Good morning and good driving out there." <laughs> you know, there, I got the bluebird of happiness riding on my shoulder, uh-huh. and that kind of folksy stuff. You know, they don't teach you that in broadcasting school. And he he went to a broadcasting school, and mm-hmm. back in the days when you had to have a radio license, he had one, but he did it his way, and and he and he proved himself by how hard he worked and how much he cared. So he didn't yeah. get forced by some consultant to you know, practice his Midwest diction as Veronica Corningstone said. Right. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember cause driving through traffic to my insurance office and everything back in the day, listening to y'all. Um, I'd hear him constantly on the radio. And the, the thing that always stuck out to me was, um, smiling Mark McKay. Cause he would just be going smiling Mark McKay. You know, it's had kind of a way of singing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, for me, it was like, yeah, he's a smiling Mark McKay, you know, and the, you know, fireball turnbull. He'd always kind of do that. Uh-huh. He would do that on TV too, because we do channel two's traffic and, and he would be a part of those reports. And he was, I mean, that's, that's just the thing. I mean, I, he was very well known. And, and I don't know if you remember this from when he died or not, but there were mm. several people, a, AJC photographer, John Spink got some great pictures of this. Several people use that window chalk or glass chalk and actually wrote homage to Captain Herb okay. on their windows the Monday after he died. Oh, very cool. And, I mean, you know, and again, it's something where in the moment it all matters a lot, and then time goes on, and it kind of mellows things out. And, right. you know, a generation from now, I hate to say, it's probably going to be hard for people to really remember that, and that's why I'm not shy about it. In, in the traffic reports now, you know, Smile of Mark McKay and I still mention the Captain Herb interchange at 85 and 400, but also – the name of the bridge that they also there's like two different Georgia lawmakers, Micah, uh, Micah Gravely and uh, Mike Dugan, each mm-hmm. wanted to honor him in separate districts. So the Lee Road Bridge over I-20 is also called the Captain Herb Memorial Bridge. So oh, very cool. You know, it's yeah. it, it's kind of cool. We always try to mention those. So we remember him. I um another thing that you didn't mention that I think was really cool. And I wish somebody would maybe take the reins. They won't ever do it as well. But a lot of people don't know, unless you're like a really Atlanta person, and and into WSB that he used to play Santa Claus every year. I knew that was coming. Yeah, dude, I want. I, honestly, I would love to do that. I I think that would be great. Not not because of me. I just think so. Uh-huh. What I I have a tradition now every Christmas Eve. So what we did the year he died, 2014, 
we took the 2013 episode and we did some wraparounds or voicers with different members of the traffic team, myself and Smiley Mark, Ashley Frasca, mm -hmm. Tim McCarthy, who used to be on our team. And we, we did it so because we had a whole campaign that year, basically, of trying to over image the main people on the team so the listeners could get used to it being us instead of him, you know, mm -hmm. which is, and that sounds morbid, but you have to do that to move on. And, but we, but I wanted uh, at least one year to have that tradition live. So we played the old show and then encourage, encourage parents to have their kids leave a, a memo on our open mic app, you know, the open mic was a new feature on the WSB radio app at the time. And yeah. it still is there, but, uh, and, and we did, we got a couple of them. And so what I do, we don't play it every year anymore. So what I do at home when, when my wife and Momo and I are setting up for Christmas Eve or, or if she's already falling asleep on Christmas Eve or something is I'll play it and listen back to it. I'll either have it playing over the speakers in the house or my earbuds mm -hmm. once a year, you know, just, it's kind of like how there's once a year you watch the certain Christmas special. That's my Christmas special. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was cool. I always listened to it even before I have um, three small kids now, so they couldn't, you know, listen to that. But right. They weren't born. Yeah. Yeah. It was always fun to, um, go and just listen to it even back when i was just a single guy just because it kind of brought you back to the old days of yeah. uh, christmas spirit that was old school radio <laughs> you know the theater of the mind the drama of radio mm -hmm. and, and wsb does a good job at christmas time of the playing the Mannheim steamroller stuff and you know having things that sound that really capture the emotion and and you know, you'd want to have one of the background at a, a family gathering or something but yeah but herb's thing and for those that don't know and, and he would call in he'd usually be at his mom's house he would call in and take kids Christmas wish lists and then, and then ask them at the end to sing them a, a Christmas carol or something. And he would have uh, another guy, a production guy named Harry Schuster who would come on and he would be Buzzy the elf. Mm -hmm. And so he would speak <laughs> in this real squeaky tone. Uh, Karen, his wife of Herb's wife would, would uh, be Mrs. Claus and she'd kind of set up the thing and then bring Herb on. And yeah. then Herb would, uh, would sit there and, you know, blah, okay, now what would you like for, you know, and then he'd, and then at the end he'd read twas the night before Christmas. Wow. So it was yeah. cool. Um, so, okay. Well, you touched a little bit on getting into broadcasting and I know a lot of people probably found this and were curious about that sort of thing. Um, what does um, being a traffic guy and getting up in the helicopter and everything, what does a typical week look like for you? All right. So my on-air shift, uh, thanks for asking. My on-air shift is from 2.30 to 7 every day. And yeah. I actually start standing right here where I'm sitting, basically. I, I call this the Captain Herb Ballroom, uh, <laughs> but it, it's my home studio. Uh, I live just a couple of blocks away from the Cab Peachtree Airport where our Skycopter is. And Smilo Art McKay only lives down Peachtree and Buckhead from the Skycopter. So he and I could be on the move pretty quickly if there's a weather delay and we, or we need to scramble to get to the airport or, you know, something happens. Uh, so that's fortunate. Mm -hmm. And basically for, uh, right after 4 PM, I run downstairs, hop in the car, you know, drive a couple blocks to the airport. So I start at home on this mic. I get in the car on my two way. And then at 4:35 after that traffic report, I go load up in the helicopter. And then we do, we do traffic every six minutes from four to seven. The helicopter lands at 6:30, though. So 6.30, it's back in the car. I do two reports, and then I'm actually back up here on the mic for the last two reports. So it's uh -huh. like home, car, helicopter, car, home, all in four and a half hours. And then you may be saying, okay, well, that's four and a half hour day. Wow, you got away good there, didn't you? Um, but uh, but I do manage our team also, and we have a 24-7 traffic center um, to fuel our triple team traffic alerts app where we can record reports about your ride 
and you and they will play automatically if you drive near them. That's the biggest feature of it. Mm-hmm. And we said push alerts and stuff. So it's a 24-7 operation. And and I manage that team and schedule and, and do personnel stuff and all that. So, you know, that that takes up other parts of the day, obviously. Yeah. And then and then I also uh, write the AJC gridlock guy column that's rolled into my job responsibilities. No longer is as Cox Media Group, part of Cox Enterprises, that that went, you know, that changed a couple of years ago. But uh, we still have a partnership with the AJC, which is still owned by Cox Enterprises. And part of that is me getting to do that column, which I really enjoy. And that's a whole different type of engagement and answering emails and, you know, people ticked off at you and, you know, all that stuff. I don't really get that for just doing traffic. And then I also host my five to go racing podcast, which is on WSBRadio.com and goprn.com and that's where i get with um dan elliott who's bill elliott's brother and then also a college student named devin kupka and sometimes our talk host eric von hessler and we get on and just chop it up about racing issues so i record mm-hmm. that during the week and uh, last thing and i do the wsb traffic podcast which smiling and i used to do about once a month we haven't done it in a few months now we need to yeah. get back to it but all of those things take up a lot of time and, and or take up the time during the rest of the day that i'm not on the air right right um yeah, um, Mark Aram, he transitioned from mm-hmm. um, doing traffic with TV and radio over to his own um, show. Uh, did someone take his place or did y'all just sort of fill in the gaps when he left? Right. Well, good question. So uh, Mark, for ever, almost ever since he walked to the door at WSB, wanted to be some kind of talk host at some point mm-hmm. and, and had a, at least a weekend show or something from like 2001 or you know all the way through he used to do a lot of when we had the Braves he used to do the Braves pre and post game shows and work morning drive which is crazy and then um and then basically in 2014 I think it was around the time Herb died it was was a similar time Uh uh, maybe just after he was offered a 10 to midnight slot on WSB to have a weekday everyday talk show the which which was then called the Mark Aram show now it's Atlanta's news and talk with Mark Aram and he would do that 10 to midnight, take a nap, <laughs> and then do traffic 4.30 to 9 every morning on Channel 2 and on WSB Radio. And he'd feed wow. the reports of B98.5 and 97.1 The River. Okay. That's a workhorse. So that, <laughs> yeah. And, and that really, I mean, it caught, you know, honestly, that took a toll on him in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But that's the price you pay, you know. I mean, it, it, people joke about it now oh man what a cookie gig you know and they like to get it get at him you know stuff but i mean he busted his butt to be able to graduate into the opportunity of finally saying goodbye to the traffic piece definitely which was almost exactly a year ago it was back in august i believe of last year right. finally getting to, to completely put that behind him and just focus on radio and that's because the gears moved to be able to move his talk show up to four to seven p.m after rush limbaugh died uh, in early 2021, that opened the opportunity to be able to move Eric Erickson show up and, and have Mark Aramorn in prime slot. You know, it wasn't worth stepping away from TV and radio traffic to mm-hmm. still be on only 6 to 8 p.m. or 7 to 10. His show kept moving up, just like Eric Erickson's did. It was 7 to 10 and eventually became a midday show. Aram's did the same thing. And now Word on the Street's done the same thing, which was a, a 10 to midnight show or 9 to midnight show. And now is is moved up. So we're we're thankful for all the talent being able to to form up. And now it's kind of a question is who's next and who fills in for them because a lot of people have got promoted as there's been turnover over the years. I think that's a good um inside baseball lesson for a lot of people that that wonder about that stuff because you mentioned Rush Limbaugh, um, even our own Neil Bortz that was in Atlanta uh for years and years. Yeah. They they all those guys um started at a very minimal 
type oh, yeah. of way, you know? I, I I remember, and this is a guy that I'm still friends with now. He's someone I went to high school with who was a freshman when I was a senior. And when he, when he was a senior, I've been at WSB for three years by then. And for a senior project, he shadowed me for a day in the traffic center in the morning. And I asked him, well, you know, what's your game plan? Again, it wasn't like I'm some seasoned veteran. It was, you know, I was like 21. <laughs> but <laughs> And he goes, well, you know, my plan is, yeah, I'd like to be like Hannity one day. You know, I have the TV show, talk politics. I was like, and which is great. You should aim high, no doubt. Right. But I'm like, you know, there's very few of those. <laughs> you know, like, uh -huh. I mean, Hannity is, is one, you know, I mean, I don't even know what he makes. I think just for radio alone, he makes like 15 or 20 million a year, right? I mean, it's just, there's very few of those. And Rush Limbaugh the same way. But all of those guys, I mean, Rush Limbaugh and Hannity started as disc jockeys and eventually moved. I mean, you know, Hannity was on like Huntsville, local, you know, in Huntsville, right? Mm -hmm. And then when he was in Atlanta, he got bumped by Neil Bortz on WG, the former WGST. You know, like it's, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Neil Bortz got his job because a morning show host committed suicide. Right. And I mean, <laughs> you know, that, as that sounds. And he went over and he's, of course, Noah Bortz, he's crass enough to go over there. Hey, <laughs> uh, Eric Erickson got his start in talk because their morning show host in Macon or uh, not morning show, whatever talk show it was, was caught in a whorehouse or a crack house or something like I think that's the story. Like, I mean, wow. you know, you just don't know. And, and I think what's happening now, and I was just emailing with someone right now, I just can't get in the door anywhere. I just can't get in the door. And you just got to start small. You got to work on a, at a radio station. I can't speak for TV, right? But like at a radio station, go work on the street team. Go become a board op or a weekend DJ or whatever it takes. Just get with your badge, get you in the door. <laughs> badge, yeah. door. And then... And then and, and start working on your own stuff and talking to nobody on a podcast or a vlog or something and see where it goes because, and you still might not make it, you know, but that, that if you don't do that, don't blame the industry because they didn't hire you to be on a major market when you're 22. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that one of the examples, I don't know if you're familiar with and apologize. I think my daughter came in and said something. Uh, Sorry, I'm the, waiting for my cats or somebody <laughs> to do the same thing. So. Um, Ken Coleman is a guy that came through Atlanta for a while and he is now with Dave Ramsey up in Nashville. Okay. And um, he is a great example of a guy that started out in his thirties wanting to get into broadcasting. And he always talks about, he has a show called the Ken Coleman show. Anybody want to check him out? And he basically decided that he wanted to go into broadcasting. He went to one of those two month long broadcasting schools yeah, yeah. and he ended up getting into like doing internet broadcasting and he got his own little uh internet broadcasting show for a while and then he ended up working in Gainesville I think for one of those um got 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 like got on a show and maybe even had his own weekend deal like and, a WDUN or something that's yeah the news talk station yeah, yeah, yeah and it eventually took off and he got his own hour-long show and it kept building and building and soon enough or not soon enough but after about two years I think he got a call from Dave Ramsey and he got to go up to Dave Ramsey and work wow. there for about three years but it took him still three years to get his own type of um radio show or new you know i it's it's unbelievable and i mean you know at wsb like i i was fortunate that somebody just up and quit and there was a spot on the payroll and i'd worked hard and they talked him into hiring you know captain her really bit their arms and hiring a 19 year old mm. and because of the where the position was needed i was working in morning drive on atlanta's morning news you know on a 
I think at that time we weren't quite a top 10 market, but you know, like, I mean, a huge market, huge radio station, it's not how it's supposed to go, but, but then, but I was frustrated even with my own progress then, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. That's the human condition that that's the thing that if I think if you don't have, I don't want to get too proselytizing here, but if you don't have a higher power, you believe in that's a constant that humbles you. I'll just say that right. it can really get you all tore up because this is a, a rat race, whatever the industry. And I think our industry, because it's so measured, uh, you know, how it can really do that. So I, I you know, I, I, I would get frustrated with my progress. Oh man, why don't I get, why am I not full time? Why am I not this? Why am I not that? And it's like, you just got to wait, man. You just got to right. gotta Patience. wait. And and, and if you and I, and I tried out to try to get some opportunities in there at WSB that, you know, I mean, we're just ways to become full time or, mm-hmm. you know, I would throw Hail Mary's thinking I, I deserve the opportunity because I worked so hard. People told me I was good, but, you know, that's not how it works. I tried really hard to get on the TV side just to, you know, to fill in and do traffic on TV. And it just never worked out. I was too young. And when those opportunities opened, I was pretty ingrained. I was kind of out of morning drive by then. So, it, you know, it never worked out. God's got a plan. Just, you got to be patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. And Hey, you can talk about God on my channel. I don't care at all. And uh, matter of fact, I do. I saw that in the description. I, you know, I I didn't feel like it was a big leap, but I I don't want to get too, you know, too narrow. I like to have my podcast as something that I can talk. I can talk freely about anything, especially my own beliefs and uh, faith. But at the same time, if I want to talk to an atheist about something they do, Hey, why not? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The um, thing that, um, yeah, I think that, the, for instance, that's a great example. For me, I thought about getting into radio and TV at one point, um, but I knew having a family and, you know, you need your income to support your family and that sort of thing. There's so much technology nowadays. Why not start your podcast? And that's what I did. I started a podcast and, you know, you get out there and you hustle and you send emails like I did to you and you send it. Um, little things and you try to meet people and network and before you know it you can get guests on and you can have your own podcast show people I mean I think that that's a a a true way that you can try to get into things nowadays and and test the waters if you will to see how you like something I mean if you if you like baseball start a baseball podcast you know yeah yeah and it's tough and and you don't want to measure your success on doing those kind of things by how many people listen and by because there's too many I mean Mm -hmm. there's there's way too many. I mean, there's, it's like more people have them than listen to them. It seems like these days, though, the ones that are successful are highly successful. I do. I, I really do regularly just one, but I technically do two. I, I don't even, there, there's a little bit of social media engagement. Besides that, I don't really know how many people, I don't really measure that. And I don't have sponsors. It's not a way of income. It's just a passion to me. It's a way to right. get to talk about racing or to get to flesh out traffic topics that we don't, we just spend X's and O's on traffic. It's a way to talk a little more, you know, deeper into subjects on traffic. When I do that podcast with Smile and Mark. So, yep. you know, it's, it, I, I completely agree. Even if you're in, in the broadcasting industry, but you're pigeonholed into the thing you're doing 40 hours a week, especially if you're in the broadcasting industry, you're probably surrounded in a building that has the equipment or you have the software at home. There's no reason that you couldn't do it. Right. And, and, and then if you're in another industry and just want to test the waters, you know, do it. I, I'll admit I could put more thought into my podcasting stuff. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's, there's several things that I wish I was doing better and I don't dedicate enough time to doing it. So I, I appreciate those like yourself that do. Yeah. Well, um, we've only got about five minutes here oh, yeah, to I'm wrap sorry. it up, but <laughs> before um, maybe I'll have you come on another time, if you don't mind, and we'll talk 
deeper into racing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to, but, uh, let's touch on a little bit if we could, um, you got your podcast on racing. Cause you mentioned that, um, now, um, if you could uh, tell us again, um, who does it with you and how often yeah. is it on? Yeah. It's the five to go racing podcast. We do it just about every week. And then in the off season, we'll take a little break. So it's five to go. The idea is it's five subjects we go in depth on, uh, the usually we do more and it's mm -hmm. pretty free form. And sometimes it can be an hour and a half long because we just go for it. Uh, but it's on wsbradio.com is the main place to get it. And in like Apple podcasts and, other, and I think Spotify and other places like that. So uh, check it out. I, and go PRN performance racing network, where I do the NASCAR play-by-play uh, uh, -play announcement. If I can talk uh, that they also uh, put most episodes up there on goprn.com. Okay. And you got, uh, I know you got Von Hesser on there, which is pretty cool. Cause I know he's a big racing fan. And yeah. I know well, really, I was... that's where the podcast came from is he and I would sit there and talk racing in the newsroom yeah. and then, and, 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 you know, and, uh, and, and we did a couple of shows together, a couple of paid remotes where it was centered around racing and that's where it came. finally 2017, I'm like, okay, let's just do this, man. And it's been tough though, because his duties have expanded on the Von Hessler doctrine. And he knows we're, we're not talking to as wide an audience as that. And, and he said for this year, he really just needs to be involved in an emeritus role. So we keep his name on the banner and, and we want to have him on a, a few times in the season to talk things. But there's a college student who's also trying to get his foot in the door named Devin Kupka, who's passionate about racing. Okay. And he's taken that position on the podcast most of the time. And then Dan Elliott, who is Chase Elliott's uncle, who's the current Sprint Cup se or a Cup Series, not Sprint Cup Series, but Cup Series driver and uh, and a champion. Uh, Chase Elliott grew up in Georgia and who I've known since he was 13. It's his uncle, Dan, who I'm no I know through Herb. Mm -hmm. I know through Captain Herb, and I've known him ah. almost since I started a radio. And Dan used to work for Bill Elliott's racing teams and and do the transmissions, and is still working on transmissions, doing things. So he has a lot of insight in the industry. Oh yeah, and Dan used to run what's now closed, but Gresham Motorsports Park up at Jefferson used to be called Peach State Speedway. So he ran that when it reopened uh, in 2009, and, and it closed down again in 2014. So mm -hmm. uh, so Dan's got a lot of insight, and we we really do have fun on there. And it's again not super formal. Yeah, we 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 sometimes will throw some rocks and you know go. It's unfiltered, I guess, best way to put it. Yeah. Unfiltered without being rated R. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, that's cool that you got Dan on there. And I've listened to um, probably three or four of them. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, I like that you have somebody there that's got the pedigree that can tell you yeah. um, exactly what's going on in the minds and hearts of these uh, drivers and pit crews and everything. Yeah, I think that's really important. And he's a real out of the box thinker, and and you know De Devin's a real wonk on the stats, and he's a Gen Z new follower of NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Whereas I followed the sport now for about twenty years. I'm thirty six years old, so I followed it since I was a high schooler, and I do get to do some things on the inside and and do some things that the average fan wouldn't. So that it's different perspectives. You know, I called Devin a fanalist. I called you know Dan <laughs> the master maker of speed because he works on transmissions there, and that you know that's sort of our little shtick that we go with. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, oh boy, I, I'm, I would call myself a good casual fan of NASCAR and racing motorsports in general. I grew up here in Atlanta. So, you know, obviously you're casual fan watching and hearing about Bill Elliott as I was growing up in the eighties and stuff. And then, um, getting a little bit more in the nineties, which I kind of, I don't know if you would agree, but would, uh, the late nineties ish with Dale Earnhardt senior, was that sort of not, not the peak, but sort of one of the high points of NASCAR. And NASCAR exploded in the late eighties through the nineties, but where yeah. it really just went to outer space 
was uh, was the early 2000s when Dale Earnhardt died and his son Dale Earnhardt Jr. emerged mm-hmm. as the most popular driver. The money into the sport, there was a new TV deal, and it just and that was right when I started watching literally the 2001 Daytona 500 where Earnhardt died. That was my first oh, wow. race paying attention. And I'm, I mean, Dang. there's maximum drama because Earnhardt's two cars he owned were up front. Michael Waltrip, who never won a race before, wins the 500. Earnhardt's battling in third, trying to defend position and, and crashes and dies ultimately, wow. which is terrible. And, and it's just all these things together. The race is on Fox every week for the first half of the season. And then NBC and TNT. And I'm like, and, and they were breaking down the sport. And I'm like, wow, this is, and I was a high school freshman. I'm like, this is amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got hooked and, that, and that a lot of people did. And then as the sport changed and they introduced playoffs and some other things, it turned off some old school fans. And then the new school fans moved on to whatever, you know, whatever the next mm-hmm. fad was. And, and so lately NASCAR has been digging itself out of, out of the grave a little, not the grave, but it's been digging itself out of that hole a little bit. And it's had some rebound in both ratings and attendance. But the expectation is not to return to the early 2000s. It's to do what you're good at and and really engage with your fans. Mm -hmm. That's good. You pretty much answered my last question because – don't worry, folks. We're going to come back for you NASCAR fans. Um, my 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 usual co-host is a guy named Jason. He doesn't like NASCAR. He's an he's an F one fan. He's that's okay. The, <laughs> I love F one actually. Um, but that's all he loves. He loves F one. I like NASCAR. I like Indy. I like you know F one. I love just to be a casual fan and see the drama unfold. Um, but I want to have you on again, and we're going to dig deeper into NASCAR if you want to, Doug. Um, uh, I'd love to. Yeah, I know we got limited time now. Oh but yeah, I, I would. I definitely love to do that. Let me ask you this in our last 30 seconds here. Um, where is NASCAR going? If you could put that in about 30 seconds. It, it's going a lot of different places. They just announced uh, yesterday, as we recorded this yesterday, a Chicago street race. It'll be July 4th weekend for a three-year deal starting next year. And they did the Bush Clash inside the LA Coliseum on a temporary track. Look for more things, more bold moves like that. It's not going to stay at the same places. They're really trying to expand and figure out what works. Okay. Okay. All right, Doug. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor. All right, man. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and we will talk to you next time.